Welcome, and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. I don't know about you, but I've been having a lot of fun with uh, the book of Galatians. It's a pretty convicting book, a lot of doctrines in there. Uh, But one thing that I know, and I told a couple people already this week, that churches have the tendency, if you can imagine a pendulum, that it can easily swing from legalism to license, or from license to legalism. So which brings me to prayer, because my prayer is like, oh, Lord, did I do that part? And I feel like I've probably done it once or twice or maybe even more to where I've swung the message maybe, because the other discouraging thing that I heard this week is only 25% of what I say here is what people will retain. Ha, golly. And I do um, an hour, 30 minutes, and you'll only take 25 minutes of that, right? Because the rest, you're sleeping. (laughs) No, no, not not you. Not you. (laughs) So Galatians chapter 5, I titled our message tonight, um, The Struggle is Real. Struggle is real. A A popular phrase that people use these days, emphasizing that there is such a great conflict or resistance in a situation or circumstance that they are in, or some people that are in. For me, I also see it as a cry for help, as a struggle, or the struggles of that particular person seems to be an impossible thing for them to either be victorious or to get away from. That's why I'm using this this title for the next verses. So we're going to be reading, please read with me here on... um, Verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, which are adultery fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, hearsays, or hearsays, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will inherit, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are crisis have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this this evening once again that you brought, a, brought us here together. 
despite the weather and despite world offers us, Lord, to not be here. Thank you for moving us and thank you for the giving us that desire. And thank you for giving us the, the, the strength to um, be here and keeping us safe. Father, as we learn more about you, I pray for wisdom for all of us. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord God. For we know that the hardest lessons to learn are the things that we think we already know. So, Lord, I pray for humility for all of us. I pray that your Holy Spirit will just enlighten us and empower us and just make things clear to us as you continue to speak the truth to us and nothing but the th truth, Lord God. I pray, Father, for wisdom for me. Use me as your vessel. Override my preparations, Lord God. Let you and you alone, Lord God, let you and you alone speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The struggle is real. So our, the, the, the definition of struggle is make forceful or violent efforts to get free of restraint or constriction. Before she could struggle, he lifted her up. It's synonymous to, uh, the synonyms are fighting, fight, grapple, wrestle, scuffle, brawl, spar, exchange blows, come to blows. You know, those, those are the, the, the synonyms of the word struggle. And as you see, as we read through the verses earlier, you could see that there is a struggle in, in, in if you've been a believer for quite some time and you are a per, uh, not a perfect believer, but an honest believer, that you know that there is a constant struggle that is in us, correct? It's the struggle of the spirit, the new nature, and the struggle of the sinful nature, which is in our body. Let's start with this one. But I, before we get to that, I want us to again review this, because I know some of you weren't here last week or the weeks before, and I'm probably going to be tackling things that will sound legalistic to you. So, <laughs> and I know I did take two on Galatians 5, 1 to 15. But uh, this is just a review. Freedom versus legalism and license. Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom from what? Freedom from the law. Okay, so we need to stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not obey because it's out of the need for you to obey or else you will not go to heaven. Okay? I know we tackled this two weeks in a row. Hopefully you guys have it. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Right? I don't think we need another version to make that clear. The what you need actually is a heart that will actually listen and obey God. I know there's like, you know, arguments between King James Version and the rest are error, you know. What a waste of time. I really don't try to get into that argument, although some people try to engage me in it. Do we really need the best version? Do we really need to, Filipinos, do we really need to put this in Tagalog version? Ilocano version or Visaya version? America need this in another alternative version? It's clear, isn't it? Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. In love. 
not out of obligation, not out of self-promotion, but in love. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So now, we're going to try to go in a formal manner tonight. Wow, doctrine. What a word. Some people are probably intimidated right now. What? This is too formal, too churchy, Joe. Yeah, it is. I know we get into the, we, we're in the world that we, we could care less of what truth is. That's what the world tells us. Oh, what, to each his own, right? But there are doctrines in our faith. And this is the one doctrine that has been repeated in the book of Galatians, the doctrine of justification by faith. Romans 3.28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works, from works of the law. Do we agree? Amen. If you've been going in this church and you're still thinking that you can earn your salvation from the obedience of the law, we're not doing a good job. Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So now it will be wrong if you will think that it's the faith alone. I know we say by faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone. But it's just not because, oh, just so long as you have faith, right, Joe? Just so long as you have faith. Faith in what? You can have faith in the government. Does that mean you're saved and go to heaven? No. It's to whom you have your faith in, and that's faith in Christ. In Ephesians 4.4. I know I'm stepping into my fourth year as a pastor. And, 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 you know, it's a mixture. It's a mixture of everything. It's a mixture of uh, excitement. It's a mixture of frustration. It's a mixture of uh, It's a mixture of humility. It, it's all in there. But the one thing that I know continues to build up in me is me wanting to the, the desire that Paul also had for, for the believers. In Ephesians 4.14, he, he said, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I want you to be strong. I want everybody here to mature in faith. I want us to be stable and mature. Imagine a baby bottle. You remember that? If you had a baby or you took care of a baby, we all know. And once in your life, you had a baby bottle. Imagine if you still have that baby bottle right now. Right now. Some of us, we call it the flask or the hydro flask. <laughs> but that's used for water. But imagine you walking around town with a baby bottle with milk. You know what? Some of us, and I say this with love, some of us, we're still holding our spiritual baby bottle. You're just still on the grace part. You're not moving forward. You are not using your life to glorify God. You're just living it in a wasting manner because you think you're going through the motions. As I go through the motions, I'll be blessed. As I go through these things, if I go to church, and if I miss Super Bowl, God will bless my plans. Right? 
if I just give God enough money, He will give my investments and my 401k will go up. We use God in different ways and we don't mature. And what I want us to be strong, stable, and mature. And tonight, particularly, I want us to learn the doctrine of justification. If I wasn't clear because I tried to avoid the formal words so that I don't intimidate you, we're going to talk about it now. We're going to use these words. Doc and then we're also going to be talking about doctrine of double imputation, which is under the doctrine of justification. I've lost some of you guys. I simply realize that we need to do it. We are saved by grace. It's 2019. It's February, believe it or not. And if you're still just going through the motions with your spiritual baby bottle, then we're not doing, for me as a pastor, I feel like I'm not doing my job for you. I feel like the reason why the chairs are being empty, maybe the message is being too strong. Maybe people are taking it too personal. Maybe I'm being too personal. But aren't, do we come here in this church to hear what we want to hear? Or do we come here in this church, or every other church for that matter, to hear what God actually wants us to hear? Do we come with a humble heart, or do we come with a prideful heart saying, I'm perfect, and I don't even know what you're talking about. So we're going to tackle these two doctrines tonight. Paul says, faith is credited to us as righteousness. He does not mean that our faith is our righteousness or any part of our justifying righteousness. He means that faith is what unites us with Christ and all that God is for us in him. When God sees faith in Christ, he sees union with Christ. And when he sees union with Christ, he sees the righteousness of Christ as our righteousness. Brother Richard tackled it earlier. So faith connects us with Christ, who is our righteousness. And in that sense, faith is counted as righteousness. <laughs> Should I repeat slowly? No. It's clear, right? Our righteousness is not because of what we have done. Our righteousness is the righteousness of Christ that we got to be a part of when we put our faith in Christ. Faith sees and savors all that God is for us in Christ, especially, especially his righteousness. That's what faith does. I want to emphasize on this tonight because we're going to go through a list of something that might look like I'm swinging to the legalistic point of view. The, and I also want us to be encouraged that knowing that Christ, that God sees Christ's righteousness in us, we should be waking up every morning knowing that God sees us as perfect. I know, I know we said no perfect people allowed in this church. But every now and then they come in, right? <laughs> I know we said that we are all saved by grace. We are all sinners. We've all admitted that. But let's not stop there. 
it's time for us to also look into the fact that we are seen righteous by God the Father because He sees Christ's righteousness in us. It's not because of what we've done. It's not because we've, we've completed four Sundays last January. It's not, not because we've been faithful with our offering or we've been doing a, a, an amount of good works compared to last year. It's because of Christ's righteousness that He sees in us. Through Christ Jesus, there is a danger on our, our, there is a danger for us, believers, okay, when we put the emphasis or we emphasize on the effect of our relationship with the Lord. Our good works is, is the effect of our faith in Christ. It's the, the cause of it. It's not good works and then we become holy in the eyes of the Lord. There's a danger if you're going inter, to interchange that. Is it my obedience? Is it my consecration? Is it the dedication that made me right with God? No. It is never that. I am, and you are, if you put your faith in Christ, you, we are made right with God because prior to all of that, Christ died. Amen? When I turn to God and by belief accept what God reveals, the miraculous atonement by the cross of Christ instantly places me into a right relationship with God. And as a result of the supernatural miracle of God's grace, I and you stand justified. Not because I am sorry for my sin, not even that. Or because I have repented. But because of what Jesus has done. And if you think about that truth and you agree with that truth, what should come forth? A great love and appreciation for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. For what God has done for us. It should give birth to gratitude, to love, and obedience. If you understand it, most of us, we don't understand it because we don't live like it. And most of us, we make it into a must-do instead of, oh, I get to do this for God. <sighs> it's so hard. I've made my fonts this big now, but it doesn't mean that I can still find my way and I'm reading. <laughs> The miraculous atonement by the cross of Christ instantly places me into a right relationship with God. And as a result of the supernatural miracle of God's grace, I stand justified. Not because I am sorry for my sin or because I have repented, but because of what Jesus has done. The Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit that enters every believer the moment we surrendered our lives to Christ. The Spirit of God brings justification with a shattering radiant light, pure. And I know that I am saved, even though I don't know how it was accomplished. Do everyone here knew what you were doing? The, the, I mean, you knew what you were doing, but did you know everything about the faith? No. You did not know one stench of the doctrines. But we knew. We knew that we were saved. The Holy Spirit came in. So what does that bring in? What should that encourage us? Or what, what should that bring forth to? A new creation. 
I know we've, we've read this, we've tackled this, we, we studied 2 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, and we go back and forth in this verse, but this is something that, should, that we should always be aware of. Though if, since we are now a new creation, there should be a new life. And I hope I was clear about the justification by faith. Let me start reading it. This is the NLT version. Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. Now that us dying to our old life is a decision we all have to make day in and day out, moment by moment. When that moment we're tempted to go back to our old life, that's when we should decide, I'm dead. Not, I'm dead because my wife knows what I'm doing. You're dead. You make a decision that I'm dead. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live for him who loved me and gave himself for me. That should be every moment that you want to or are tempted to go back to your old life. We have to make that surrender. We need to put our old life back on the cross. He died for everyone. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Church, do you see that? And do you agree to it? Or do you struggle with it? Is this one of the things that we say? The struggle is real. Because we are faced of a choice. Do I live for myself or do I live for God? Do I approach this issue, do I approach this issue with my old way of, of thinking? Or do I approach it with my new way of thinking, which is always surrendered in the wisdom of God? He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. You see this? We have to also stop looking at people and putting them in our own standard, making judgments of, on our own standard, our human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. There were many of us who just thought Jesus was a good person. He was a good son. He was a good teacher. But when you accepted Christ, he became your Lord. Hopefully, hopefully you've seen him now in a different point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Well, ask yourself, ask yourself, are you now a new person? Because the Bible says, I know Paul wrote this, but who really wrote the Bible? God really wrote the Bible, inspired these men to write what he wanted them to write. So this is God telling us that if you accepted me, you become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. The salvation that comes from God is not based on human logic. It's not based on human reasoning. But on the sacrificial death of Jesus, we can be born again because... Again, solely because of the atonement, atonement of our Lord. 
sinful men and women can be changed into new creations. So if, if you say amen to that, even loudly or silently, the question should always be, am I living a new life that Christ has given me? Or am I just staying with my old way of life? Not through their repentance. Listen to this. Not through their repentance or their belief, but through the wonderful work of God in Christ Jesus, which preceded all of our experiences. The unconquerable safety of justification and sanctification is God himself. We do not have to accomplish these things ourselves. They have been accomplished. Through the atonement of the cross of Christ. I can keep saying that over and over and over again. I could look at that and I could just, you know, when there's a meal, I don't know if you do this, but I do this. If it's when I'm eating something really good and it tastes really good, I just don't swallow it right away. <laughs> I enjoy it. But you know, my mom told me, Ngumuya <laughs> kanaman. Chew it first, because <laughs> I have an attitude of just putting it in my mouth and because, and, and, you know, I feel like it's going to run out. <laughs> but when there's something good like this, I want to look at it over and over again and enjoy it. And you know what? It brews. It grows in me. It grows appreciation and love for what God has done. There's nothing for me to add to what Christ has done on the cross. So with you. You know what? The bad, the, the bad thing, I, I'm going to say the bad thing, but it's, it's the good thing, really. The bad thing is we all know that, so we stop trying to do anything. For some of us, we've decided not to do anything for God because we know He accomplished everything, which is actually incorrect. As much as your decision, your decision is incorrect, but as much as your doctrine is correct, your decision to not do anything for the Lord is incorrect. Everything has been accomplished through the atonement of the cross of Christ. The supernatural becomes natural to us through the miracle of God. The supernatural becomes natural to us. So why do we say, I can't do this? So why do we say that? So why is it so hard for us to do what God has called us to do? Number one, to live a holy life. Why does, it, why does it happen? You know this realization? When Jesus said on John 19.30, you guys know it? He said, it is finished. It is finished. Christ has accomplished everything. He has accomplished everything for us. And isn't that amazing? Because from, if we're going to be honest, from day to day, Back in 2016 until now, we know that we didn't walk this life perfectly. If you look back, if you look back yesterday, for some of us, we'll say, man, I wasn't even walking perfectly on the way here, right? If we're going to be honest, we're going to look back at our life, and we're going to say, man, I couldn't do it. But I'm praise God that he did everything for me. Let's move forward. I, I didn't spell it correctly. Sorry. <laughs> Doctrine of double imputation. 
2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, who's the him? Jesus Christ, who had no sin to be sin for us. Who's us? The ones that surrendered their lives to him. The ones that have put faith on him. Not, right? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Now, there's two things that happen there. There's two things that happened there. One, Jesus Christ became the payment, became sin for us. See it? Justification of faith, some people describe it as just if I have not sinned. But it's even better because what I'm trying to emphasize tonight is, is just not that, but it's also we are righteous as Christ's righteousness is in us. So what does that mean with the struggle that we have from day to day? We should know that the Holy Spirit is in us. That we have the power, if we will only surrender, we have the power, the ability to beat that temptation. Does it mean there's not going to be a struggle? No. Because the, so long as we live in this body, which is a sinful body, we will struggle because our new nature does not agree. That's what Galatians said, right? Look at this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There is the problem right there. If you will see it, if you're observant, you see the negative part. Okay, now, that's why I always gratify the desires of my flesh because I'm not walking by the Spirit. Right? Now again, if we, if we remember the imputation that was given to us, Christ's righteousness was given to us, you know, many saints believed in that. They knew about it and they believed it. So we too have to know that part. Not just Christ died for our sins. That's good. We know that. But we're Christ, we have Christ's righteousness in us. That should give us the, that should encourage us to live our life powerfully for Him. The work of God, you know, the work of God, we, it, it helps, right? Uh, Lewis Perry Schaefer said, it's helpful if men will know what God's work is and to what his works are. If we can separate what God can do and what we can do, it will help us. So the righteousness God has done for us. So our response to that, our response to that, if we just do these things in gratitude, Right? We obey God in gratitude of everything that He has done for us. We're not trying to be righteous. We're already righteous in Christ. So walk, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Now, this is, I prayed to God already about this. If I gave you the impression at any time here that 
once you accept Christ, you could do whatever you want. I'm sorry, Lord, and I apologize to you because that's not right. We have the freedom to obey Christ. Amen? And we have the freedom to not obey Christ. But we are told here clearly that we are not to gratify. We are not to gratify our flesh. And what does the flesh want? Everything that is against what God wants us to do. If you've been reading your Bible, if you even try to read your Bible, you will know that a lot of things are different. So what does that mean in our life right now? If you agree with everything that the world is telling you how to live, then you are against the Spirit. Can we just say that? Amen. Amen. Now, I try my best not to be in any political party as I'm speaking here. I try my best, but the smart ones know where my, my, my sympathy goes to. But if you agree with abortion, that's against the spirit. Can we just say that? No. You know, if, if you're on Facebook, you are part of a nation is with a billion people. This is a recent study. There's 7 billion people in the world. So there's 1 billion Facebook users. So that's 1 7. So if it were a country number 3, China, India, and then Facebook, which is probably, right? That's crazy. Don't you agree? So what, what am I saying? Why am I talking about Facebook all of a sudden? And why am I talking about abortion all of a sudden? Because everybody's seeing... There's a lot of eyeballs and then they see your opinion, your comments, your sympathy on where you're leaning into this. It's so sad that they, make it a, they made it a political issue. That each party is using it as a political issue. But it's not an issue. It's a spiritual issue. If you are for abortion, I would say get down on your knees and ask God, am I right or am I wrong? Because it's just going down. It's going down hard. They have approved, in these couple uh, states, they have approved a day after birth. It's murder. And we're going to say, oh, you know, man, you know, it's pro-choice. Pro-choice. Okay. You were, you're still living here because it was somebody's choice that you live. I'm pretty sure if my, my mom said it a couple times before, if she could just go back, she would just, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> With the headache that I gave her, she's like, I'm going to bring you. <laughs> but it's crazy. Everything that we want, everything that the flesh wants is against the spirit. And if you are not seeing that, it's because you are not walking by the spirit. You are not walking by the spirit. For us, it's, it's, we don't, most of us, the sad thing is we don't walk anymore. We're always driving. So maybe we can switch this. So if you drive by the Spirit, <laughs> you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, the driver should be the Holy Spirit of our lives. It should be the Holy Spirit. When we say Jesus is my Lord, He's the driver of our lives. We're not handling. We're just there enjoying the ride. My children and my wife. You know, they trust me when I'm driving. You know how I know this? Because they sleep while I'm driving. <laughs> they know they'll get where we're going. 
even if they close their eyes. And the moment they open their eyes, their first question is, are we there yet? Because they, they trust me. They don't got to worry. So we, live, we should live our lives walking with the Spirit, trusting Him, trusting Him that He will take us where we need to be. And the conflict happens because we're satisfying. We're feeding the bad wolf. Remember that analogy? That Indian proverb where there's two wolves in everyone, the bad wolf and the good wolf, and the kid asked the, the grandpa, who wins? It's the one you feed. It's the one you feed. So believers, it's time to start walking with the Spirit. If you have been walking by the Spirit and you're wondering why the struggle is real and you're losing in the struggle, well, because you're not walking by the Spirit. Because he says there, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You are not supposed to do and obey these things because you're fear of not obeying the law. But you are doing this out of freedom in Christ, out of gratitude and love for Christ. That's why you're obedient to everything that God is asking you to do. And you are satisfying the new nature, not the sinful nature. Amen? Amen. So if you have a struggle, if you are constantly struggling, I want us to see that Paul also struggled. I, I put the header confession of a believer of Christ. Do not, I do not understand what I do. For I, what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do, do I <laughs> Let me give, give that a try again. If I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it, carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So, find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. See, if you're thinking, well, this is probably when Paul wasn't a believer, wrong. This is a mature believer, Paul, just writing it down. Because look, he, he said, for, so I find the law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law, sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Since so then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. A couple things I underlined there because as far as I my, for my observation, Paul is saying that the, the new nature always starts in the heart and in the mind. 
It's in the inner. That's why there's a struggle. And then the sinful nature is the body. Because our body is sinful. When we did those sins before, the sins that we, we used to do before, say rage, right? You want that. You want that physical connection. You want to hurt someone. You want to just, you know, when you pound on somebody's face. That's that feeling that you get. That's still the sinful nature. But the new nature is telling you, the Holy Spirit if you are reading your Bible, if you're studying the Word of God, the Holy Spirit reminds you of the Bible verses that you have read and that were spoken to you and makes you remember, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, Joe, do not sin. Because anger is a reaction to people who are irritating, correct? <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> right? We just react. And our body, our sinful nature, wants to do it. And when we are tempted, it's a sensual temptation. When we are tempted, again, the body, because the body is used to that feeling, to that emotion. We look for it. We crave it. The body looks for it. And, oh, I remember that feeling. Let's do that again. But the sinful nature is saying you're a new creation, created in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, and you has come. Right, so the mind, because don't you hear that, that verse? Isn't that the Holy Spirit remind you when you want to fall? And remember that God is faithful. He will always give you a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? For no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful that he will give you a way out. Paul. Confessing, but also saying that it's through Christ. That's why he got to overcome it. He gets the struggle. He had the struggle. So the struggle, at the same time, when we say the struggle is real, well, that's good. That means you have a new nature struggling with the, the old one. Now, if you don't find any struggle, then that's where the problem is. I don't find anything wrong, Joe. I'm still doing whatever I want. And I'm saved by grace. Nothing wrong here. And there's no struggle. There's no argument within. There's no fight within. There's no grappling of Bible verses and what the, what the body wants versus what the Bible is saying, what God wants. That's when it's wrong. But when there is a struggle, as we see here, you see that you are, number one, maturing in the faith. You are maturing in the faith. If we're all going to be honest here, well, I did it because my team is not playing in the Super Bowl. But when the 49ers played in the Super Bowl, there was a big struggle within me. Should I just go or take a break? <laughs> Maybe it's the, this is the Sunday that I could take a break, have Pastor Charles preach, right? But no, it's different. There's a struggle there. Next one. Walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, it says, right, so I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And this is the same thing, Romans 8.24, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law has powerless was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so 
he condemned sin in the flesh in order that righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Christ is righteousness. Think about that. Christ's righteousness we already have. You are a new creation. Other than thinking about 1 Corinthians 10, 13, when you're faced with a temptation to go and, and satisfy the desire of your flesh, think about the truth of this. The Holy Spirit, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember the temple when Jesus was, the first time Jesus walked in this earth, and they used it as a marketplace. They were doing, they were buying and selling, right? Buying and selling things, and, and they were taking advantage of people for their sin offering. And what did Jesus do? He turned the tables upside down, correct? Righteous indignation, right? He got mad. And he said, what did he say? My house should be a house of prayer. So you, us, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should be praying. Amen? It's February. It's the first Sunday of February. It's a new year. If you look back last year, how prayerful were you? Now, I'm not looking about, I'm not asking you the amount of words or the repetitive words that you could do or how many Prayers you could do, it's the sincerity of your prayer. It's the intimacy of your prayer with the Lord. Because Jesus said, pray lest you fall into temptation. So that's another thing. Walking by the Spirit is, other than reading the Word, we should be praying, talking to God, day in and day out. If we want to be victorious, if we want to win in this struggle, we need to be prayerful. Do we agree? Other than studying the word, we need to be prayerful. Acts of the flesh. It should be 1B. But again, nobody's perfect. Praise God. He sees Jesus in me. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Here we go. This is, this is why I started with faith and righteousness, justification by faith, because now we're going to see a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now I'm going to be tackling this again in the next following weeks because of, I know you need to get home tonight. <laughs> but I'll tackle a few of it tonight. The acts of the flesh are it's broken down in four categories. First is the three Sexual or sensual sins. Okay? Sexual immorality or porneia is often translated as fornification. From this word comes the term pornography. It refers to any and all forms of illicit sexual relationships. Okay? If you are having sex outside marriage, you are committing sexual immorality. If you are watching a movie 
that is you know committing the act you are committing sexual immorality if you are masturbating you are committing sexual immorality i know i'm seeing faces like yeah i have to say it how i wish you guys were the ones that were up here and you guys say those those words because my mom is here my wife is here my son is here <laughs> i have to make it clear it needs to be clear it needs to be said there's no sugar coating here <laughs> and i'm i take the grunt of it <laughs> impurity is a broad term referring to moral un uncleanliness in thought in word and deed so if you haven't changed the way you talk if you're still using you know curse words if you're still talking like any other people at your work and you're you know you're mingling with them and you're speaking like them then yeah you're committing that sin debauchery connotes an open shameless brazen display of these evils discussed in 2 Corinthians 12, 21, where the same word is also, it also occurred in Romans 13, 13. So these are, these are heavy. These are the heavy struggles in life, correct? For any person. And I'm not, I'm not um, saying that, you know, a, a mature believer should not be going through this. Um, a mature believer will be honest to say, they probably go through through this in their in their mind from time to time and because they are faced because the enemy will attack if he if he sees that you are trying to do something from the lord guess what he's going to do they're going to try to plant these things and attack you don't make no mistake about it so don't act like oh my gosh i was attacked well of course you're in a battle you're in a battle right the bible said that uh, we are not about battles of the flesh, but we are in a spiritual battle. The enemy sees it. Okay, they're going to try to do something for God? Let's, let's, uh, let's try to see. Give them this show. So what am I saying? You have to watch these things. Be, wa yeah, be watchful of these things. So the movies that you watch, you know, I, I know it doesn't mean if uh, the younger are, are, are worse than the older ones. No. It's everybody, you know, because they make it so accessible now. You can watch these movies on your phone. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch, you don't have to go through those, those places anymore to embarrass yourself. It, it makes it so, the tip of your hand. Again, we'll tackle that um, the next few Sundays. There, these are followed by religious sins, idolatry, including worship of pagan gods by bowing to idols. Do you know places like this that are still bowing to idols? So that's a sin. And because of it, it, it's mentioned after the listing of sexual sins, it probably includes the male and female prostitution, so often a part of heathen religion. Remember the, the Corinthian uh, people? They have those, those uh, temple prostitutes that are there to have sex with people who, have, who are believing in that God, that pagan God. So that they will be blessed. See, these are these are all the, the sins that are. But now in our time, idolatry. It's not just the idol worship now. Now it becomes what? It's money. 
It's money now. Right? It's the same when, when, when Moses was, was, was uh, commissioned by the Lord to have the people be released from Egypt. Right? He, he, he told them, oh, hey, uh, he told uh, Pharaoh, let my people go. God said, let my people go. What did Pharaoh do? What did what, what their decision? They said, let's put more work upon these people so they will not listen to these words. Guess what the enemy is doing to us, believers? He's putting us all to work. Work, 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 work. I know that's a song. Work, 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 work. <laughs> You're going to work so that you keep working and you forget to serve the Lord. Right? You forget what you heard here because you're worried about your overtime tomorrow. That's what the world does. This enemy is so crafty. If you're going to underestimate him, you're making the, that's your first mistake. He puts all these things. He makes us busy. Remind us that, that there's other things. Makes us think that there are more important things to spend our life with or to instead of obeying God. Look at the empty chairs. <laughs> Ooh, legalistic pastor. Okay, where was I? <laughs> Religious sins, idolatry, prostitution, and then um, witchcraft. It is a translation of Greek. Uh, the Greek word is pharmakia, which is where we got the word pharmacy. Uh, in ancient times, the worship of evil powers was accompanied by the use of drugs. To create trances or, or hallucinations. And they said that uh, the commentary that I read, that it's also in Revelations that they're going to be doing it. So it's witchcraft. Uh, well, how does that apply now? Uh, if you still believe in the horoscope. <laughs> I still know what my horoscope sign is. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I know where I fall into. I'm a Libra according to the horoscope. But I don't believe, I don't believe in it anymore. I only believe it if it's a good thing. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be good today. Oh, I going to get a promotion. Yes, that's mine. If it says you're going to have trouble, like, oh, this is not mine. Somebody else's, somebody else's trouble and problem. Uh, the 800 or the 900 numbers that you call for the psychic hotlines, right? Right? The $2 per minute. <laughs> that alone, you're not doing the right thing, right? If you call them and they tell you, What's your credit card number? Hang up. They, because if they know, right, if they know the future, they should be able to tell you what your credit card number is. Right? Do you agree? And if they ask you what your name is, oh, man, there you go. You got them. They're lying. They should have known. Did you know I was going to call? Yes, I did. What's my name? <laughs> Some people believe in these things. The feng shui, the Chinese feng shui. I have problems with this when I'm, because, you know, I'm a realtor by trade. Oh, Pat, I, I, Joe, is this Pat facing southeast? I go, I don't know. Why? It's because it's supposed to bring good luck. Okay, let me download my, my compass for you. <laughs> but I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what? The master bedroom should be facing southwest. There should be a mirror by here by the entrance so the money will flow in. There should be money by every door picture. Put money in there. And then on New Year's, wear polka dots. <laughs> And on your birthday, make sure you eat pancit because long life, right? So the wives feed their husband rice, so it'll be just this small and die fast. 
I'm not going to give him pansi. I don't want him to have a long life. <laughs> I, want to be, I want him gone. <laughs> the biblical way. <laughs> right? We believe in these crazy things. We rely on these more than the Bible verses. And you know what? Witchcraft too is this. When we use the Bible verse incorrectly. When you use God's word incorrectly to satisfy your own evil desire. The Bible says, if I just have faith as small as a mustard seed, I can tell this mountain to move here and there, and it shall be done. Lord, I'm praying that big mansion, like and shrine. I name it, I claim it in your name, I pray. Amen. That's witchcraft, I'd say. It's stupidity and witchcraft at the same time. Because you can't demand. And what did God say? He will give us what we need. The problem with us is we don't stop there. We're American believers. Our want just keeps, our need just keeps going and going and going. Then eight social evils are listed after that. Hatred is in the plural form, denoting primarily a feeling of enmity between group, groups. Ah, part of our church is a history of a division, which is... One of the most awful things, I say. Whenever I look back to it, it just makes my stomach turn. And I shared to a couple guys here that I still dream of those certain people. And praise God, my last dream was like I was asking Richard, how's church? I was actually happy. Richard, Richard Santos. So it's, it's, you know, it's, but it's the worst thing because I had... We had a great relationship. A church should be loving each other. Do we agree? Golly, it should be about loving each other. Do we agree all the time? No. But do we disagree in love? We rebuke in love. We correct in love. We disagree in love. Discord. Discord is the natural result of hatred. And there's, there's no doubt that there's a problem in the Galatian church. That's why Paul listed this. Jealousy refers not to the godly jealousy, but to the sinful and self-centered type. Fits of rage or outbursts of temper often come as a final eruption of smoldering jealousy or pot bliss. <laughs> I'm going to try to make this personal, okay? I'm going to try to make us relate <laughs> on these things. Fits of rage. So if you still have problems with your rage, you know, that's, that's part of the, the struggle that you may have. But you need to be aware of. Selfish ambition is a self-promoting attitude which shows in working to get ahead to the other's expense. Self-ambition, self-promoting. I want everybody to know, which is close to pride. It's pretty much pride. I want everybody to know how hard I'm doing. The work I'm doing here at church. I want everybody to know that. Dissensions and factions describe what happens when people quarrel over issues or personalities, which we have a lot of, causing hurtful divisions. Envy is an evil feeling. You know, envy is, 
is, is, is wanting something that, that is not yours. A wrongful desire to possess what belongs to someone else. Thus, the sinful nature is seen to be responsible for the breakdown of interpersonal relationships in homes, in churches, and in public society. These are the haters. <laughs> haters. You know, when, when, there, when there's envy, there's, there's, there's jealousy, there's envy. There's no getting along, right? And I'm kind of, bas I'm basically reading what the world is right now. So a believer, we all have this. And not because of our sinful nature, this is our body. That's why we struggle with it. Now, instead of denying it, like an ostrich, you know how an ostrich deals with danger, right? It digs on the ground and it sticks his head in there. Thinking that the predator will go away if he just keeps his head in there long enough. Right? That's how ostriches avoid danger, so they think. But for us believers, knowing that Paul said this, that the sinful nature versus the, 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 the new nature, the sinful nature consists of these things, you'll be able to address, this is no longer me. Believer, that's what I want you to know. This is what I want you to recite silently or loudly if you're by yourself, okay? You can say, this is no longer me. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Lord, help me resist this temptation to go back to my old ways. Because that is, you'll feel it. So don't say, oh my gosh, I think I'm not a believer. I need to go back there and go in front again. Talk to Joe again. Stop talking to me. Stop walking to God. Pray, be prayerful. Be obedient. Now again, see the pendulum, right? We can, we're talking about so many things that we need to do that sounds so legalistic. And then, and then if I say, oh, you can do whatever you want because it's grace, it's wrong. So it needs to be like Jesus, the balance of Jesus. When he, when he spoke to that woman that was caught in adultery, the act of adultery, Right? He said, Jesus said, He who has not sinned, cast the first stone, applying truth. Because the law said, anyone who is caught in adultery must be stoned to death. So Jesus said, go ahead, cast the first stone. But praise God, none of all of them were honest at that time. They all walked away from the oldest to the youngest. Because Pastor Julius' observation there is the older people have more sin. <laughs> and they were more honest. The young people were still, you know, not realistic. They thought they were perfect. It took them a while before they walked away. So he applied truth. But then he did not, he has not sinned. He did not sin. So the, he asked the woman, have they not condemned you? No, Lord. And he said, neither will I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The balance, the balance of it. We need to find that. We need to find that. That's the truth. Apply truth in your life, take it. And apply grace in your life and take it. That's where you find the balance. That's when you will be fruitful. As we close. Five minutes, ten minutes later. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Now, this was imparted to us, not imputed in us. What was imputed in us is Christ's righteousness. What is imparted in us, to us, is, are these things. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, has, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Believer, have you done your crucifixion? Now, I'm not saying go and tell your buddy, dude, crucify me tonight up there by my backyard. No, your, your crucifixion, crucify the, the flesh with its passions and desires. Do that mentally. Believe it wholeheartedly. Finally, make that decision and have the crucifixion of your old sinful nature. Because if you belong to Christ, you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Walk right next to the Spirit. Walk right next to the Spirit. Don't go ahead of Him. Don't like go behind Him. Go step by step with Him. And He will lead us to victory, a victorious life. And then lastly, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Again, we will have another separate Sunday tackling all these fruits. As well, we will tackle the, the, fle the flesh, we will tackle the fruits of the Spirit again. Maybe in closing, if I still have you, <laughs> our obedience to our Lord is the result of our salvation. It's the byproduct. For us to have the fruits of the Spirit, we didn't produce this. It was the Holy Spirit that imparted it to us. So if you're still not patient, then there's a problem. Because look, our obedience to our Lord is the result of our salvation. It is the result of the workings of the Holy Spirit from the inside, the heart, and then it shows outwardly as the Holy Spirit imparts and empowers us to show His fruits. So there's, let me go back. Can you bring me back to the verse before this one? I guess not. There's one. You see there? Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's a strong warning from Paul. Okay? The Paul then solemnly warned the Galatians. And I, I want to give that warning to us too. That those who live like this, in that list, those who live like this, who habitually indulge these fleshly sins, will not inherit the future kingdom of God. Oh, what am I saying? I'm not saying that the Christian loses his salvation or her salvation when 
whenever he has lapses in his decision and falls into sin. But what I'm saying is if a person who lives, operative word is lives, he lives like this. This is what he does continually on, a, on such a level of moral corruption gives us evidence that that person is not a child of God. Amen? That's what that means. That's what that means. So you can fall here and there with these certain things every now and then. But if there's no, if you just, it's, this is still your lifestyle. There was no change on how you were before you accepted Christ. Then you probably truly did not surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's what it says there. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Church, like I said, our obedience is the fruit of what Christ has done for us. And if we are not going to be doing these things out of love, if we're going to be doing this out of fear, we're doing a mistake. Our love for God should be the one that compels us to be obedient, to live a holy life, to produce, to produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit that's in that list. Thank you very much your attention and if tonight if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ and you want to make that commitment as the music team will sing their closing hymn please come up so I can we can lead you to that prayer or if God is impressing in you I've impressed in you that you need to be a part of this church please come up so we can recognize you and lastly if you just need prayer if you're if there's a struggle in your life and you need prayer please come up so we can pray for you Let's, uh, please join me in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for, we thank you for your message tonight through Paul, Lord God, in the book of Galatians. We thank you for the truth that you spoke to us through that, those verses, Lord God. And like I said earlier, Lord God, I pray for the humility, humility for all of us as, as I pray for wisdom for all of us. Now these truths that you have imparted and given to us tonight, Father, may we remember them. By, with our hearts and with our minds. And Lord God, more than that, Lord, I pray that you will give us the strength and empower us, Lord God, to live as you have designed and desired us to live, desire for us to live. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've failed you. Forgive us for the times that we've indulged in our fleshly desires rather than, than being with you the new creation that you've given us. Forgive us, Father. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, for, for encouragement for those who have stumbled, Lord God. I pray that we will just, they will see, look up and see what you've done on the cross and remember your words when Jesus said, it is finished. Thank you, Father, for everything you've done for us and continue to do for us. And I thank you for Christ's righteousness that is in us. And I pray, Father God, that, that that thought, Lord God, will encourage us to move forward and to live our lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was the end of today's message. If you want to support our mission of reaching many others through this podcast, help us grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com forward slash give.
To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.